Hello, I'm Michael Guyman, President and CEO of the Tucson Metro Chamber. For more than 125 years, the Tucson Metro Chamber has been the voice of business. This year, the Chamber is focused on showcasing candidates that not only understand the needs of business, but will also work to introduce and support legislation and policies that address and solve challenges businesses face. The Chamber's Candidate Evaluation Committee interviewed Arizona state legislative candidates on their thoughts and perspectives on issues important to the chamber membership and creating a pro-business environment. Our candidate evaluation committee, made up of business owners, executives, major employers, and community partners, crafted five questions focusing on key business issues. We invite you to visit our candidate evaluation page on our website at tucsonchamber.org. Review the scorecard, listen to the interviews, read the questionnaires submitted by many of the candidates, and share with your colleagues and your neighbors who you think will support a pro-business environment as an Arizona state legislator. On this episode, our Candidate Evaluation Committee interviews Nathan Davis, a Democrat running for the Arizona House of Representatives in Legislative District 18. So uh, if you could briefly describe your educational and professional backgrounds and how they prepared you to serve as an elected official. Yeah, so I'm from Tucson. Um, so I went through uh, the amphitheater school district, um, graduated CDO in 2010. Uh, my father at the time, uh, he was hospitalized my final year of high school um, and was uh, going through cancer at the end. So. I went to Maricopa Community College for one summer um, while he was in hospice. Um, after he passed away in July, I came back to Tucson, um, finished up the Arizona General Education Certificate through Pima in um, a year and transferred to U of A where I got my undergrad. Um, while I was at U of A as an undergrad, I worked for um, Congressman Barber in his Tucson office working primarily to help veterans um, get the benefits that uh, they were entitled to, but for whatever reason, um, we're, we're not, we're not accessing. Uh, and I was there from, I think 2012 through 20, through the end of 2013. Uh, I, I graduated semester early, so I went to Washington DC, continued working in Congressman Barber's office there, um, and went to the George Washington University where I got a master's in, um, uh, international affairs focused on economic affairs and economic development um, after which i returned to tucson uh worked for a few candidates running for office including Pam powers hanley whose, whose seat i poke into a place um, eventually uh, made my way into public education uh, taught middle school social studies at a great school in tusd called lawrence um, uh, and did that up and through 2021 um, and about halfway through the pandemic, I left the classroom to um, help out with my family's business, where I've been primarily working on uh, supply chain issues, figuring out how we can, um, you know, just it's you know, supply chain procurement mostly, which I'm sure everyone here is very much aware is kind of all up in the air. You know, you throw one ball up, you don't know what color, size, and shape the ball is going to be when it comes down. We're all supply chain issues, the delays, the leaks. Yeah. Yes, very yeah. much so. Very much so. 
Great. So can you tell us about a specific time uh, where you had to build consensus uh, around a particular issue, you know, and what type of leadership style did you use in that situation? Yeah, I think, you know, as, as a teacher, you, you do that in a classroom every day. Um, specifically at school, you know, it was, it was little things. We were a, a very small, um, very small school. So we all took on different roles. I tried to help out as much as I could with the, um, uh, parent teacher association and the, I was, um, uh, help the kids with student government. And so it was, you know, working with, you know, the kids, the administration, the parents, what can we do to bring in the community? How can we do it in a safe way? Um, we tried a few things during COVID to you know, keep you know, the kids and the community's morale uh, up as well. Um, yeah, I've been trying to think of, of a specific time uh, and it's really kind of eluded me. Um, I don't think there's been any one time or one big activity um, where I've really had to fight for consensus. Uh, it, it, it's really seemed that um, I've, you know, I've, the team that I've worked with, I've always known them. I've kind of known where they're coming from. I've known what um, they really care about, and I've usually been able to head off um, any issues and be able to bring in, you know, a couple different, um, uh, you know, a couple different options that we could do. And there was always one that everybody just kind of um, came on board with. Um, I don't know if that you know, says anything about me being perceptive, but you know, it's, I, I've always tried to bring people together when I can. So thank you. And uh, third question is, can you describe your vision for Arizona and for the office you're running for? Yeah, for the state of Arizona, my big concern and, and the real reason I'm doing this is to um, put us on track to be sustainable and successful through the end of the century. Um, and to me, what that means is ensuring that um, in terms of investments, that we are moving in a way that makes sense. We are moving into you know, the, you know, the mid 21st century and you're thinking about what does um, this state look like um, through the end of this century. Uh, in terms of um, education, I think that means uh, radically investing in public education in a way that keeps with our traditions in this country of being at the forefront of education reform um, and an opportunity. And I think for Arizona, we have an opportunity to invest both uh, before kindergarten and after 12th grade. Um, I, I really think that we should adopt, and one of the uh, policies that I've been running on is universal preschool education, um, very three and four year old based primarily on, on the model used in Washington, DC. I think that that has proven to be the most successful. Um, I think primarily that comes down to the integration with the K-12 public um, system uh, in the district, as well as the amount of investments that they do. Um, it's it's you know, roughly two to three times larger than the investments made by states with um, uh, uh, pre-K programs funded by the state. Uh, in addition, um, I've been running on you know, the policy of having free uh, two years of community college for every high school graduate. Um, it, it, to me, that feels like a no-brainer. You know, nearly every high school graduate lives within half an hour of a community college. Um, the return on investment for every dollar spent in, um, in education at the community college level 
is three to one for the state, and it's uh, about five to one for the student. Um, and in terms of bang for your buck, you, you can't beat it. Um, $5,000 for a two-year program um, that will give every high school graduate an opportunity to um, get the career and technical education that they need. Um, looking forward, and I'll, I'll wrap up on this question, um, in terms of climate change, um, environmental sustainability, water sustainability, we have to have a you know, century-long perspective on this. Um, we, we, we simply can't be, be short-sighted on this. Otherwise, um, Arizona will look like the Rust Belt. Um, and frankly, that's, um, that's what the way, that's what I see in our future if we don't take action. Um, I think when you look at the models, um, what's happened with the Colorado River is worse than I think a lot of people expected five, 10 years ago. Um, what is happening with the aquifers, I think is you know, worse than what some people have expected. Uh, and I think that we need to assume that the drought and the eradication that we're seeing is going to continue unabated. Um, and we have to really put resources into determining what it looks like to live in Arizona uh, with this water crisis and living with perpetual water crisis, essentially. And I think we can do it. I think we have the I think we have the resources and the capability. I think it just takes us looking the issue square in the face and realizing that we've got to address it. That's great. Thank you. So, what are the top three issues uh, important to business uh, that the legislature can help to address and solve? I think education is a huge one um, in terms of uh, you know attracting talent. You know, if you're going to, if you're looking to start a family, you want to be able to send them to a good school. Um, my wife and I recently hosted a foreign exchange student, um, and he went to uh, the high school that my wife taught at rather than the high school just down the road. Um, and you can say everything that you want about school choice. If you have, it is a burden to have to drive to a high school that's 30 minutes away um, every day. You know, it's, it, it makes things vastly more challenging parents, families, they want to send their kids to the neighborhood school. Um, I think we should make sure that that is a great choice for them by ensuring that every school has the resources that they need to succeed. Um, in addition, I've mentioned you know, free community college. I think that is an excellent way that we can uh, retain talent in this state um, to train up the Arizonans to ensure that they have the skills that they need. Um, and working with, you know, having, you know, the local community colleges work with um, the local in, local industry to be able to place kids in the programs that, you know, they're going to need to to be economically successful in the region where they're at. Uh, I mentioned environmental sustainability. I think that's going to be critical. Um, working with our public universities um, and higher education uh, to again, train up students to work in fields um, and to work with um, the private industry to create the technologies that are gonna be necessary to be successful in Arizona, um, given the drought situation, given the increasing temperatures. Uh, and finally, I think a big issue is going to be changing some things in the constitution. Um, particularly one of the ones that I am very interested in 
in revisiting is the requirement is requirement supermajority to change any taxes, including to eliminate any tax cuts. Um, that really ties the hands of our state to be flexible in terms of uh, fiscal policy, um, especially when we look at uh, any kind of recession. Um, the legislature needs to be able to act uh, as the economy changes. And by requiring a supermajority, you know, it, it really makes it difficult to get anything done. Great, that's very specific, thank you. Um, and the last question I've got um, is, how would you ensure that the needs and wants of the business community uh, in Southern Arizona are recognized and heard at the state capitol? Groups like this are really important. Um, you know, actively listening to them, actively reaching out to them. Um, I've been primarily focused on knocking on doors this campaign, speaking to voters. Doing so, I've, I've spoken with many um, small business owners uh, in, in the community. And I really feel that that is the most effective way um, to, to understand them and to understand uh, the issues here. The other thing that I'm very interested in, and this is you know, looking a little forward, um, if I do win, um, I, I believe that there is a need to also listen to the communities um, in rural Arizona. Um, I know the district LD18 is very, is primarily um, urban, a little bit suburban. Um, I am very concerned about rural Arizona and, and its role in, in the future of, of the state. Um, I think that we've seen a lack of interest. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the state legislature, the things that they care about the most, Phoenix Metro, Tucson is a second, and the rest of Arizona is a pretty distant um, behind the two of them. And I think it's really important that we have a diversified economy um, throughout the state. Um, one of the areas that I would really like to see economic improvement um, or, or something that would give floor at least to our rural communities is really bumping up spending in um, public education. A teacher in Tucson, a teacher in Phoenix is gonna start making about $45,000 a year. It's not great, it's not horrible. You're in rural Arizona, you're likely to start making the low 30s. That's horrible, doesn't matter where you're at. Um, that needs to be addressed. One, it means that a lot of the talent is going to leave our rural schools. And two, it means that there's less money in those communities um, to build a local business, to, you know, to, to flow in the community, to, you know, have an, an economic safety net um, if there is, you know, an economic recession that, that really hits them. And what we're going into now is, is kind of weird, um, the, 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 you know, macroeconomic um, situation in, in the country. Um, but I think that there is a lot of concern in Arizona, in rural Arizona about what the future will hold. Good, that's great. So thank you. These are the, those yeah. are the five questions that I had prepared already. And now I'd like to open it up to the rest of the committee for any open questions that they may have. Anyone have a question they'd like for Nathan? Go ahead, Jean. Hi, Nathan. Uh, thank you for being here today. Um, so it's a big decision to put your hat in the ring and thank you for doing that. 
So uh, what, what caused you to decide to go ahead and run for the legislature at this time? A, a big part of it was my experience in the classroom um, and, and you know, seeing what teachers are going through right now. Um, another part of it was the fact that we are losing, um, you know, Randy has, or Dr. Freeze has resigned, um, uh, Representative Pam Paris Hanley um, is leaving this year, Domingo de Gra uh, Representative de Grazia is leaving, um, you know, Kirsten's, uh, Kirsten Angle is, you know, running for uh, Congress and Victoria Steele is running for um, Justice of the Peace. You know, I, I've worked with all of them for many years and I was very concerned when I saw that we were losing so many um, talented people. Um, the other big issue is when I started speaking with the people who were going to run, I did not hear the urgency um, that I thought that I think that we need um, in terms of uh, climate change, in terms of where uh, our, our schools are at. Um, you know, I I don't hear the need the you know the the, the, the really strong need to address climate change head on, to deal with the water crisis head on um, in a way that doesn't just completely disrupt things. Um, I think that there is sometimes, um, I, I think that there's just a little bit too much politics happening and a little bit too much caution happening sometimes uh, with, with people who run for, for office. And I just don't see people who are going to say, you know, what they think and how they lack and be specific. Um, and I think that we need that um, in the legislature and speaking as a Democrat, I think that we need somebody who uh, will, you know, communicate to the people, like these are the problems, this, this can be our solution. Um, and this is how we can get the people of Arizona on board, um, not just in LD18 or in Phoenix or Tucson, but, you know, broadly speaking, you know, everyone in Arizona. Thank you. So just kind of a continuation of that question. I mean, you pointed out some issues that could potentially differentiate from the other candidates because it's a pretty crowded yeah. field on the, on the Democratic side. So is, is there really those issues that you don't feel they, the other candidates are um, you know, promoting as much as you would? Or are there other things that would, whether it's your background or whatever, that differentiate you from uh, the other Democrats running this race. So, you know, there are a lot of us. Um, you know, I'm one of two with K-12 experience. I'm one of um, two or three with small business experience. Um, I'm the only one uh, born and raised um, in Tucson. Um, and so there, there's a lot of, you know, in terms of a Venn diagram of us, there's, there's overlap on a lot of uh, these things, uh, you know, that just is our background. Um, and at a macro level, we all basically agree um, on like, the climate change is an issue. Um, abortion care uh, should be legal and accessible. Uh, you know, education needs to be uh, expanded and fully funded. Um, I think the thing that I bring that's different is some of my specific policies. Universal, universal um, public pre-K, you know, and really looking at the DC model um, of it really integrating with our public schools. Um, you know, making community college uh, accessible, uh, I think is also incredibly important. Uh, and so, you know, I, 
yeah, it's it's a crowded field. It's it's hard to differentiate. Um, but you know, the other the other big issue is. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Yeah, to, to stand out right now. But I mean, and it's it's you know, I think it's a good thing um, though that we have so many candidates and so many of us are are very well qualified and, and so many of us are you know fairly diverse in our backgrounds. Um, I think that that provides the the voters a real opportunity to get to you know, pick two of us. Great. Any other questions? Hey, I have a question. Hi, one of the, another in-person uh, question. So I um in a couple of your answers, the there was a question about consensus or a time where you could give that example. And if you're on the legislature, you'll get the opportunity because I'm sure you'll, there'll be a lot of different opinions. The um you do seem very clear on your vision and where you see things going. How do you, can you address, how do you um, collaborate and work with others that are going to be the complete opposite vision or very, very far apart? How, how does that, how would you see yourself working in that consensus collaboration? Because there are very clearly different priorities across the board. I think, if we look at uh, what just happened with the budget, I think that we can see what consensus would actually look like. And it's essentially saying there's 10 people on both sides um, of the, you know, both the Democrats and Republican side. We're not gonna get that if we wanna build consensus. And so for me, I'm not gonna build consensus with the people who are very far, completely opposite to me. Um, they're not the people I can build consensus with. Um, but it's the ones who are just on the other side you know, they're, they are fairly moderate. And I think there's a decent chunk of them who are. Um, and I think, I think too, it's, it's where, where is your starting point and where is your end point and how are you, and, you know, how do you want to get there? Um, my starting point, and let's take pre-K for example. My starting point is um, universal public pre-K, um, you know, funded at about $15,000 per child um, and integrated with our public school system. Um, am I going to die on, on that hill? Like, will I, will I vote for nothing if it's not that? Absolutely not. The goal is universal public pre-K. And if there is an option that will get 40 votes in the legislature, um, that is something that I would very much consider. If there is an alternative uh, position on the right to what that could look like, um, I'd be you know, incredibly interested. Um, you know, for me, if you look at climate change, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I don't really care the way we get to the function net zero um, or you know, a, a, a near complete electric life fleet um, or lowering pollution, protecting our water. Um, the main thing is that we get there and we get there quickly. Um, if there is a solution that kind of seems out of the box, but you know, uh, based evidence does work, I will uh, listen, to, listen to and be open. And be open to that. Uh, you know, it's 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 the outcomes that really matter a lot to me, and making sure that the outcomes are based in, um, you know, equity. Really. We have time for one more quick question. Anyone else want to jump in? 
Adriana? Sure, and this can kind of piggyback into your last um, answer, but I know, I know you've mentioned climate change a few times, and I think one of our challenges as a utility is to provide reliable and affordable um, power while we integrate these new resources. Um, are you familiar with um, the energy industry? Have you have you reached out to um, you know representatives from different utilities, or um, what is your position in general about deregulation, um, just policy, energy policy in general? So I'm familiar more than a layman, but not not necessarily a lot more. Um, I've not reached out to utilities directly. Um, you know, between you know, running a business, having the, the foreign exchange students, um, and uh, uh, running for office, you know, there's I had kind of limited. I've had limited bandwidth. Um, my the main thing that I'm really interested in, uh, in addition, so so looking at the utilities, looking at electricity generation, I think it's really important that we do work with them. But I think the main thing is that we need to get to um, as close to net zero as possible, as as quickly as possible. Um, and I think with when we so when we saw the Arizona Corporation Commission adopt the fifteen percent. Um, uh, requirement. I think we saw TEP and APS and the other utilities very quickly ramp up to that. Um, I think that we can do the same thing if we adopted um, a, a policy to get to uh, nearly 100% renewables by mid-century. Um, I'm very, in, I, one of the things that I think is going to be really important um, is battery technology, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware. Um, you know, wind and, you know, sun are pretty consistent, but not, you know, always consistent. And we need, you know, a large storage uh, capacity for that. Um, we don't have the ability to do what some other places do where you just take water from one dam and run up to the other and then, you know, use that kinetic energy later. Um, I think that one of the things that we can see that I'm really interested in is uh, the wide adoption of uh, electric vehicles um, and being able to, to, to pull out and put in to those vehicles, so ensuring that as many of the cars at almost all times is plugged into the grid, um, so that if we need power, you know, we can take it from there. Um, I'm I've also seen some interesting um, new technology around lithium iron batteries. Um, they're not as you know portable as lithium ion batteries, um, but where they make up for there is you know storage capacity and um, and potential price. And I think that that could be the basis of um, uh, low, you know, not microgrids, but you know, local uh, sources of power. Yeah, I, I need to cut us off yeah. here. We're actually hitting a hard stop, and uh, I just want to say thank you again, Nathan, for being here with us today and taking the time to, uh, to be with us. And thank you for making the effort to try to serve our community and run for office. Yeah, no, thank you so much for for having me, inviting me. All right, thank you very much. Have a great day. You too.